0: Amen. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you, be honest with you, ever cried during Extreme Makeover Home Edition? I don't know what it is about those shows, but I love them. They were on uh, this week. I watched a little bit of it last night. Last night was quite a bit of a, a tearjerker. There was a lady on there that was a widow, and she's had five aneurysms. And she had a bunch of different kids, I think five or six kids. And you can imagine the difficulty that she was under. And, of course, they were doing an amazing transformation on her house. I love it when they say, move that bus, and they just go crazy. We love to see transformation. How many of you love to watch the show Biggest Loser? I love watching The Biggest Loser. I love seeing people's lives, some of them there, their health is at risk. Some of them, they have literally, they say, you have like maybe months to live, maybe a couple of years and then they go through of course a rigorous training that would probably kill half of us and their lives are transformed that word transformation has so much meaning i love the word it it has power in it it has meaning in it and i think we all love to see transformations and what i want to share with you today is that god can take the abandoned god can take the downcast he can take the sinful he can take the forgotten he can take the one that maybe no one even cares about or even knows exists anymore, and he can transform them. I want you to memorize a verse with me over the next few days. It's not a difficult one. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And, you know, you, you have those theme verses. This would be kind of a theme verse for today. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. I I memorized it a long time ago. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now, ushers, if you'll come forward, I know some of you may not have gotten a, a, a sermon notes yet and maybe you don't have a Bible. The ushers will pass out some Bibles. These are yours to use today. They're yours to keep if you need it. I brought my very first Bible today. I did not grow up, and I didn't have a Bible. I didn't really grow up in church, so I remember Heather and I got these. We've, we bought our very first ones, and uh, it was a new international version, and, and, I, and I dug it up because I wanted to preach from my first Bible today, partly because I believe so much in reading your Bible. People's lives who I have seen transformed have, have done so by reading their Bible, and what was cool, I checked because I thought I had done this. I went to the Old Testament. I went to the end uh, after Malachi, And I looked, and sure enough, I had written Thanksgiving, 11:23, 2000. I've been a Christian a couple years now. Finished the Old Testament. Now I had read the New Testament a number of times by that point because I had gotten on a plan that told you to read the New Testament like seven times, but I hadn't quite braved the, the Old Testament yet. And I dove in, and so I grabbed my Bible, and I was so so excited to see that I had notated that Thanksgiving of 2000. I had finished the Bible. Now, if you would turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is is a uh, a powerful chapter in in the book of Luke, and uh, you'll see the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Let me get there. Chapter 19. We're going to look at the first few verses, and let's just take a look at them, and then we're gonna we're gonna discuss them together this morning. It says Jesus entered Jericho, and was passing through, and a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood. He stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. One of the greatest stories in the Bible of a transformed life. And just to give you a little bit of history, if you don't know much about tax collectors, some of you, you may have learned about this when you were younger. Some of you, you're like, okay, a tax collector, what's the big deal? Well, it'd be like in modern times if, you know, back in World War II, my, uh, one of my grandpas was, a, a B 25 bomber captain. And, uh, and it would be like if, if he came back and the Nazis had actually taken over. And, and it'd be like if he decided he was going to go work for the Nazis. And began to t- collect taxes against his family, against his friends, against you all. And not only just collect taxes, but he began to cheat his friends and family. He began to cheat his neighbors out of extra money so that he could get rich and powerful. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus was a hated tax collector because he cheated his own people. See, in the time of Zacchaeus, the Romans were in power. The Romans had taken over. And Zacchaeus worked for the Romans, and he was cheating his own people. He was, he was taking his own people's money to get rich. My kids were watching Robin Hood yesterday, and if you remember uh, the movie, there's the Sheriff of Nottingham. And in the little snippet I tuned in while they were watching it, it was the, it was the cartoon version, one of my favorite, uh, where he's like a fox, and then the Sheriff of Nottingham is this bad wolf guy or whatever. And he goes in, and they're having a birthday party for this little guy, and he takes the kid. They they don't have any money for taxes, but he sees the birthday gift, and he steals the kid's birthday gift. And they're like, oh, that mean old Sheriff Nottingham. That's the kind of guy we're talking about with Zacchaeus. He was hated. Well, today we're going to see some evidences of a transformed life. We're going to see these evidences in the life of Zacchaeus, and hopefully as you walk out of here today, you're going to hopefully see these evidences in your own life. Now, the first one that we're going to look at is that he had a new appetite. Zacchaeus had a new appetite. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love the show Man vs. Food. How many of you in here know the, the show Man vs. Food? Uh, I, that guy's got about the greatest job on the planet. Adam Richman, of course, is the, the guy who who started the show, and he gets to travel around the country and he gets to eat all the best food in America at all these places. Now, I say best food. Some of you'd go, I wouldn't dare eat it because half of it, you know, it, none of it's good for you. Let's just say that. So, it's probably not the best food in America, but for my taste, it's the best food in America. And he obviously, he has this huge appetite. He can eat anything. And throughout the country, he goes around and he does these, these food challenges. Man versus food. He's trying to, he's trying to win with his huge appetite. And we tuned in the other night while uh, we were with our kids, and uh, they were, listen to this, they were at Munchie's 420 Cafe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They were, some of you may that are, know Munchie's 420 Cafe. Now, if, if, uh, if you're not familiar with Munchie's 420 Cafe, uh, unfortunately, 420 is a time that uh, a lot of people... Uh, I say a lot of people, if you're in the drug scene, they are smoking dope at 420. So Munchies 420 Cafe, obviously, you can imagine the clientele that they've got in there. But they, they, the sandwiches they were making that day, it was, a, it was a hoagie bread or a big French bread about this big, and they put six cheeseburgers on there, and I was saying amen, and then they were sticking a pound of Philly cheesesteak. And, and that sounds like a pretty good sandwich, Right. Well, then they stuck a whole order of onion rings on there, a whole order of mozzarella cheese sticks, some french fries, and then my favorite, Rotel cheese dip. They stuck some Rotel cheese dip, just lathered it up on there, and I just was going crazy thinking, I could give it a shot. I I, I could eat, I could at least try. I'm, I'm I'm probably addicted to Rotel cheese dip. My brother and I, growing up. We literally, my mom would make a giant bowl with a whole you know, slab of Velveeta, which says if you eat, you might die. And we would eat the entire thing of Rotel Cheese Dip. So obviously, we, I have a little bit of a problem. And can I order food while I'm 648 See if you can get a, a pizza delivered here. I could probably eat a little Pizza Hut pizza while I'm preaching. I could probably take a bite and then keep preaching. That's the, that's the kind of appetite I have. The problem is I watch that show. At about 10 p.m. Heather and I have watched a few episodes and I kind of look over at her like, are you hungry? (laughs) I could probably, I could maybe whip one of those sandwiches up. That sounds pretty good. Well, if if I'm ever going to get in the kind of shape that I'd like to. You know, you hear Christian talking about, we're all trying to stay in shape. We're trying to work out with a couple of these cronies around here. We're, We're trying to get in shape. If I'm ever going to get in shape, I need to work on my appetite. I've got to have a new appetite. And I want you to realize that if a person is ever going to get their life on track for God, they've got to have a new spiritual appetite. You have got to have a new spiritual appetite. See, I believe this. I believe Zacchaeus, I believe he had heard of Jesus. And I believe he had heard of the lives that were being changed by Zacchaeus. And I think he realized that he needed something different in his life. I think he started to have a new appetite in his life because I think the sin was leaving him empty. And I can tell you this, after I eat a whole thing of Rotel cheese dip, I don't feel very good. I feel like, what am I doing? Man, I'm a loser. What am I doing? Why did I eat all that? I'm I'm an idiot. And I can tell you in 1997, when I gave my life to Christ, I had a new appetite in my life. I needed something new in my life. I was throwing my life away with a variety of things that, unfortunately, are far from honorable to God. And I I began, as I gave my life to Christ, to have a new appetite. And if a person's going to have the kind of uh, life that God wants for God, they need to have a new appetite. Turn back to Luke chapter 19. Let's look at the first few verses. Let's see what happened again. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not. And because of the crowd that was in front of him, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Jesus was coming that way. And here's what here's what it was. See, how many of you remember the song "A Wee Little Man"? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for Jesus. He wanted to see. And I could see this. See, Zacchaeus could have had this excuse. Jesus is coming through town, but I can't see him. The crowd's too, too, too crowded. I can't see him. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to maybe catch him another time. Maybe, maybe I'll go see what's happening another time. But Zacchaeus had such a new appetite. He was yearning for something new in his life that he climbed this tree, and I don't think he wanted anything to get in the way of his life. He didn't want anything to get in the way of him seeing Jesus. He knew he needed something new. Nothing, nothing was going to stand in the way of him seeing Jesus. And I want to challenge you this morning. You've got to make sure nothing is in the way of you seeing Jesus. Nothing is in the way of you meeting and feeding that hunger for Jesus. And so he climbed up in that tree to make sure that he could get a view. And he had to have this, this new appetite. And I think Zacchaeus very possibly may have felt like a lot of people do. I've talked to people that say, you know what, Jesus, he doesn't want anything to do with me. I, I, when I get my life cleaned up, maybe... Maybe I can go and be a part of a church. Maybe I can go and Jesus would love me. And I think perhaps Zacchaeus may have felt a little worthless. But he realized, I just need to see him. If I could just see him, maybe it would be different. His spiritual appetite was beginning to to uh, to change. And he wasn't going to let anything stand in the way. And I have a challenge for you this morning. What are you craving? What is your appetite like? What are you craving in your life? I want you to look at a couple of verses. First John chapter 2, 15-17. And from the New Living Translation, it says this Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I love what Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says. It says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know, unfortunately, the appetite of a lot of people is for things that are of the world that are not pleasing to God. People have cravings for drugs, they have cravings for, for alcohol, they have they have cravings for a life that causes them to make a, a bunch of poor decisions. Some of those decisions caused their health to be bad. Some of those decisions cause death. I had a grandfather. Uh, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet who died at the age of 47 because he was an alcoholic. And for me, I knew that alcohol was ruining my life. So 13 years ago, I stopped drinking it. For me, it was ruining my life. I had to get it out of my life. I had to have a new appetite for things of God in my life. And that was leading me in the wrong direction. I want you to think about a, a, a statement. I want uh, Hopefully it's a statement that you'll walk out of here and you'll really think about for your life. You have got to begin to crave things. You've got to begin to uh, have an appetite for things more. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. You can no longer have a bigger craving for the things of the world than you do for the things of Jesus. Did you catch that? You can no longer have a craving for the things of the world than you do for the things of Jesus. There's a logo of man versus food, and it's a picture of an all-star wrestler. And this all-star wrestler is holding this piece of food, and he's literally sitting there, and he's he's, he's pounding it. He's pounding this piece of food so he can overcome it. And there's going to be certain things in your life that you're going to have to learn to overcome. You're going to have to have a new pursuit. And as I thought about Zacchaeus, I thought about myself and about you. What is your appetite like? Do you have a hunger for the things of God? Think about that for a moment. I don't mean do you enjoy just going to church once in a while. Do you truly have a hunger for the things of God? Do you have a hunger to go help people who are in need? Do you have a hunger to say, I can't wait to get into my Bible today. I can't wait to have a moment of quietness so that I can just spend some time with you, God. I I need you, God. I, I have a hunger for the things of God. So, you know, there's uh we were at that youth camp with, with pastor Christian a few weeks ago after the ones that our kids went on. And we were during the, we were during the worship. There was a, a guy in front of me. He was a handicapped guy and he was literally praising God like no one I've ever seen. He was just so in tune. He was singing as loud as I can. And I started to tear up and I said, God, I need a hunger like that. He wants, he wants to know and love Jesus in such a powerful way. God, I, I can't even hold a candle to the amount of passion that that guy has. And it was challenging to me to think about the kind of appetite that I have for God in my own life. Take a look at the second evidence of a transformed life. And as you look at it, you see that he had a new attitude. Turn in your Bibles again to Luke chapter 19. Stay with me in verses 5 and 6. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. If you look at the New Living Translation, it actually says he welcomed Jesus with great excitement and joy. How many of you know a person or have seen people who look like they've been sucking on a pickle? Meaning they are just as, they're not going to smile. They're not going to look at you. They're not going to, they just look like they're as grumpy as they can be. They're not even going to think about smiling like, don't even, don't even. Because I'm going to smile. Don't even attempt to shake my hand. I'm not going to smile at you. Well, one of my favorite parts of the opening ceremony was uh, the Queen of England. Now, the Queen of England, I thought, had one of the coolest things. James Bond escorted the Queen of England into the uh, Olympic Games. And, of course, they had that little drama, that little skit that they did. Did she smile? No, she didn't smile at all. She didn't smile one bit. She had the coolest thing in the world. She just skydives out of the plane onto, uh, you know, where she's going to walk out for the opening ceremony. She don't smile. She don't even think about smiling. She don't even act like she's going to pleasantly greet anyone. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, what is it? It looked as though she would rather be knitting. She looked as though she had, like, what else could I be doing other than being at the Olympics? Her, her attitude didn't seem the greatest. You know, I, I want you to picture in your mind for a moment the difference between a religious person and a person that loves Jesus. I was sitting on a plane with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. Real nice young man. We, we hit it off. We, we found out we had some things in common. And of course, as you do, you start asking, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And I said, you know, hey, I'm a part of a, a church. We're, we're, we're planning a church and Lee Summit. It's really exciting. You know, we're trying to let people know that, that it's about having a relationship with Jesus and not about just religion and following a bunch of rules. And all of a sudden he said, that's an awesome way to put it. That I, 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 I like that. He goes, how'd you put that again? It was like totally foreign to him. He said, he said, can you explain that to me? So I, got, I, I had an opportunity to go on and explain to him how you have a, a relationship with Jesus and not just about going to a place and following a bunch of, of rules or, or traditions. You see, the Bible will tell us, as you, as you look through the Bible, you'll see that sometimes religious people can have bad attitudes. And if you look back at, at chapter seven or uh, 19, verse 7, look what it says again. It says, all the people... All the people. Do you know who was following Jesus around? Not only were there people who wanted their lives to be changed by him, but there was a lot of religious people who were following him around. So there was a lot of religious people who were checking him out and see, it says all the people saw this. Remember, he just told Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus says, great. So they all know that Jesus is now going to have lunch with this guy who's hated. He's a sinner. He's. He's not a good dude. It says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And so, unfortunately, we can have times where we've got to make sure that we're careful in the kind of attitude that we have towards people. The, the New Living Translation called the sinner scum. They were calling him scum. He is going to have lunch with that scum. And, you know, as we think about our attitudes, we've got to make sure that we are realizing that there are lost people all over the place. And we have to have an attitude towards lost people that we show that we love them. We've got to make sure that we, you know, I, I get I get fired up and I want to stand for something. I don't know about you, but I want to stand for something. But I have to balance that with wanting to stand so firmly for something that the only thing people know around me is what I'm against. Meaning, I'm for against this. And I stand so firmly against this. And, and I, there are biblical things that I want to stand for. So don't read me wrong. But I want to make sure people know that I love them no matter what. I love all people because Jesus tells me to. Now, do I have to battle some judgmental attitudes at times? Yes. Do I have to battle some stereotypes that I have to be careful? Yes, I do. But I have to check myself. I have to say, God, is that the kind of attitude that you would want me to have? Unfortunately, let's face it. There are some folks that don't like lost people. They don't really think about them. They don't really care about them. And they just assume they never walk in the doors. And that's, that is not how it should happen in churches all across the, America. We've got to make sure that we are, we are having an attitude that is welcoming. We know that Jesus hung out with sinners. If you look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, uh, we see it again. Turn to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, and see what it says. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. He likes these tax collectors. He goes and he, 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 he talks to another one. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. Boy, he's got a whole party of bad people. He's got a whole group of these sinful. What is he doing? And when the the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, that is the kind of attitude that we've got to have. You know, if you look at Luke chapter 5, Jesus even touched sinful people that no one else would touch. The story goes that he he saw a leper, and people wouldn't even get near a leper. And Jesus not only went up to him, but he touched him. And then he told after he'd healed him, he said, Don't go tell anybody. Don't go tell anybody what I've done. And, of course, we read further on in in Luke chapter 5 that the guy had done the opposite. It says the word about Jesus spread all the more. See, I don't know if you realize, but when people have their lives changed by Jesus... It it causes them to get an infectious attitude to want to share with everyone. At least that's what we see in the Bible. I don't know about you. I don't know about the rest of the community. But that's what we see in the Bible. When people had their lives transformed by him, they couldn't stop telling people about him. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that some people have stopped telling people what Jesus has done in their life. They've stopped telling people how great Jesus is, how he has transformed them. And we've got to make sure that we don't stop till the day we die. We are telling people what Jesus has done. I don't care if it gets old and people go, I don't want to hear your testimony anymore. I hope that the day I'm laying on my deathbed, I'm literally, I'm talking, I'm talking to the nurses. I'm talking to the doctors. I'm talking to anybody that can and say, let me tell you about how I used to be. Let me tell you how Jesus transformed this drunk scumbag womanizer. God transformed me. We should, We should not stop until the day we die. So let me ask you today, how's your attitude? Do you have an attitude that is full of excitement about God, that's full of excitement towards church, that's full of welcoming and love towards lost people? When your life and your attitude is led by the Holy Spirit, people are going to see the following. How many of you know Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23? You see the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and forbearance, Peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now, when you have a relationship with Jesus, it's going to bring this new attitude in your life that should be infectious. It should be infectious. I've got an idea for a new television show. Write this down. Somebody book it. Uh, it's going to be uh, Extreme Makeover Life Edition. And here's my idea. You literally, what we do is we have an intervention on the grumpiest people we know. We literally like pull up in a car, throw them in the backseat, and say, Come on, you're on the show. And we say this We're gonna love them, we're gonna shower them in God's Word, we're gonna pray with them. We're going to surround them with God-honoring, encouraging people that are literally just going to love on them like crazy for like eight weeks or ten weeks or five years if it takes that long. And we have a reality show where we can all plug in crazy and go, oh, they blew their top. Well, you should have seen what they did to that person. They may not want to, but I believe that if we do so, if we would have that kind of reality show, I believe that with God's power, we would see people transformed by God's word. We would see people transformed by by the love of other people in their life pouring into them, believing in them, caring for them. You know, we see an idea like that and we think, oh, that that sounds great. But think about it, they need to see that same attitude in you and I. Because I think if those enough grumpy people saw what was happening, how many people do you think want to be on biggest loser? I think throughout the country there are people that are sending their resume like crazy. I want to be on that show. I need that transformation. I need that transformation. I guarantee you they select, what, 10, 12, 20 people? I guarantee you they go through thousands of people that want to be on that show. I think if we had enough people whose lives were transformed, people would be lining up. I need extreme makeover life edition. But what's interesting is shouldn't they be seeing that the moment they walk out of this door? Shouldn't they be seeing that the moment that you walk out of your home in the morning after you spent time with the Lord and you said, I'm on fire for God? It should be infectious, that's the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have. And uh, I want you to think about this as we, as we head towards the finish of the third evidence of a transformed life, and that is new actions. We'll see new actions in a person's life. You know, uh, you see in Zacchaeus, look at the, uh, the final verses here in, in Luke chapter 19. Let's look at them again. And it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. How was Abraham saved? By faith. Zacchaeus on the spot was saved by his faith. He is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus made immediate changes in his life. And unfortunately, I think we're in a, a time where a lot of people, they drag their feet for years and years and they just, they kind of refuse to change their life. And I don't know if they realize, but repentance is a huge part of salvation. Repentance is so important. We see so many ex- uh, 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 verses and uh, themes in the Bible of repentance. If you don't know what that means, it means that I once was walking away from God. If if Christ is over here, I once was walking away from God. And I'm now saying, God, I need my actions to represent you. And I start walking towards the cross, striving to live for him. I have repented. I have changed my life. I have not just had a savior. Hey, I want to go to heaven. I love that. I want to go to heaven. I've got to also have a I've got to have a Lord. I've got to have a Lord, a God to rule my life every day. I need a God to rule my life. every. I love the story about Christian last week. He remembers road rage and he was a maniac. And remember the father, son, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Right. So it again. And, uh, you know, just like just like him, we all need every day. We need God to to continue to fill us with actions that will honor God, because I'm a sinner like you are. Um. Luke chapter 5 verse 32 says this, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And in Acts chapter 20 verse 21, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a guy by the name of uh, Shannon O'Dell. He's a preacher, brand new church. And he spoke at that youth camp and I took something away from what he said. He said this. He said, salvation without obedience is not in the Bible. Salvation without obedience is not found in the Bible. And it's such a powerful statement, and, and I think we have to take that into our hearts. And it means that as a Christian, my actions are going to be new. And how do I know what actions a Christians do? Well, I, I, I read God's Word. I see Jesus' life. A Christian is a follower of Christ. So I get to see his life. I get to see his actions and I get to see how to live, how to love people, how to forgive people, how to control my anger, how to how to have a life that is pleasing to him. And and not only will we have actions uh, that will try to be more Christ-like, but we'll also strive to sin less. We should also strive to sin less. I want to say another statement. If you don't sin less than you did before, then you may not have been transformed. If you do not sin less now as a believer in Jesus Christ, you may not have been transformed. And we have to be wise. If you look in Proverbs, we've got to be wise about protecting ourselves so that our actions can be new. In the Old Testament, let me flip too far there, Proverbs chapter 1. It's one of the greatest. I I tell a lot of new believers uh, as they get in the Bible that Proverbs should be one of the first few books that they read because it's so powerful. And it's such just wisdom for everyday life. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. It says, uh, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive and, and, and like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. In other words, if, if, if people who are sinning say, come on, join me. Let's go do some stuff. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. Then it says, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin. We've got to make sure that we're careful. We're thinking about it. We're using wisdom about things that we should do and shouldn't do. I can tell you that as my kids get older, I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be lovingly warning them to not do some of the same things that I did. I'm going to be lovingly warning them to be careful about some of the, the, the cronies that they hang with because I know that there were times when I got in with folks that probably did things that I wouldn't have done. So I wasn't, I wasn't using wisdom in some of my actions. Uh, let's look at uh, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 15. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 15 says this, For the grace of God... That brings salvation as appeared to all men It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions And to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope The glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people That are his very own eager to do what is good Man, there's some powerful verses. And I want to ask you today, have you allowed God to change your actions? You see, Zacchaeus, his life changed noticeably right away. Right away, he was giving back things that he had stolen. And he was saying, if I've wronged anybody, I want to make it right. I'm going to, I'm going to give back above and beyond because I want to make sure that my slate is clean. That I've, that I've given back and made right for what I've done. I can tell you this, when I gave my life to Christ, I took Longer than I probably should have. I took a couple of years to really get my life on track. And the honest reason. Here's the honest reason. I didn't want to give up some of my sin. I didn't want to give up partying. I didn't want to give up some of the things. That I. Enjoyed doing. I paid consequences for them. I got in trouble for some of them. Caused some heartache for some of them. I was dragging my feet. I wasn't allowing the Holy Spirit to lead my life. I was still kind of hanging on to some things. God was trying to, you know, pull me in this direction, but I was still kind of dragging this direction. I want to ask you how about your life? There's a wonderful website iamsecond.org. I am spell out the word second.org and it's a story after story of lives that have been transformed by Jesus Christ. Stories of Josh Hamilton Kathy Ireland, Tony Dungy, Brian Head Welch from the band Korn, Lecrae, Jason Castro, and so many others. I mean, story after story of lives that have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, by the power of God's word in their life. And I want to ask you, are these evidences of a transformed life, are they true in your life? Do you have a new appetite? Do you have a new attitude? Are there new actions that are leading you every day so people can say, wasn't that once? Yeah, that's him. Isn't that the person that, yeah, that's her? They would see evidence of a a transformed life. And if today you're standing there and say, I don't know, I, I don't see any of those things in my life. I'm not the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit right now in this moment convicting your heart. Can, can speak to you and help you to understand whether you truly have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't today, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, listen to this verse. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? If you would bow your heads with me this morning. And Father, I, I, I couldn't close this morning without giving people an opportunity to meet with you. Father, I couldn't close today without an opportunity for every person in here to examine their own life in this moment. And know whether or not that they've ever accepted Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and Savior. Maybe years ago they said, yeah, I want to go to heaven. But as they think about it, they recognize they never made you lord of their life they never repented of their sins and father today is the day that they can make that right they can pray father they can say god i want to give you all of me and if you're here and perhaps you've been waiting you've been dragging on whether or not you should make a decision to follow jesus as your lord and savior again today is the day and with every head bowed i want to give everyone an opportunity That if you would like to you can follow me in this prayer of salvation My prayer doesn't save you My words don't save you The condition of your heart right now with God Giving your life Giving your your all to God Is what saves you Dear God Thank you for your son Jesus Who died on the cross for me Forgive me of my sins Come into my life Transform me Help me to live for you. I need you. Thank you for saving me. And Father, if there are those here today that have been struggling to let this evidence be true in their life, then this prayer is for them. Dear God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that my appetite has been for other things. Father, I'm sorry that my attitude has been not pleasing to you. And Father, I'm sorry that my actions have not been con- consistent with a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I need you as well. Lead me today. Let me walk out of here with an infectious attitude, an appetite for your word, with Lord, just to, this this hunger to please you and to serve you and to reach lost people and let them see Jesus in my life. Father, we love you. Thank you for This amazing story of Zacchaeus, this hated man, this scum who had his life transformed by Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, if uh, if you're with us for the first time today, if you're a guest of ours.